On today's show, what did we learn from FIBA about the Dallas Mavericks that participated? Luca, Josh Green, Dante Exum, and more. I'll answer your questions on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luca Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavs. I don't believe you shouldn't be here. Loyalty never fades away. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show and making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. Join the Raccoon Squad, be an everydayer, subscribe, follow for free. Just search Locked On Mavericks wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Like the video, comment below with the best way you can help us grow the show. What's one thing you need the Mavs to answer? You need it. Can't go on my life without it. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets. Go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. If you want to support the show, text us, get text alerts from us on Mavs rumors and all kinds of stuff. Ask questions. Like, I'm going to take a bunch of questions from subtext. Subscribe to our subtext. Click the link in the description. Text the number on the screen. Look at it. It's right there. There's the number. It's just it's floating by on the screen. And it's in the description on the podcast feed if you're listening there. Isaac Harris out today, hanging out with his family. I am holding you down, talking about FIBA, answering questions, tons of questions pouring in. I've got some rapid fire that we'll end with. Uh, who's a bigger impact next season? Seth Curry or Dante Exum? What teams will take a step back in the West next year? What does Slovenia have to do to qualify for the Olympics now? Uh, there's a lot of questions about the negative media attention on Luca right now, which I think are all valid. And I've got a couple of theories on that I want to share. But let's start here with the Dallas Mavericks. Matt wants to know, hey guys, what has been encouraging to see from Luca, Dwight Powell, Josh Green, and Dante Exum playing in FIBA that can translate to the Mavs next season? I think this is a great question because we start looking at these FIBA tournaments and you go, okay, it's fun. It's fun to watch it. Slovenia plays Lithuania today. I'll talk about that game briefly. Uh, that felt like an exhibition game to me. Felt like Luke was out there just trying some stuff. And so you wonder, all right, it's all fun and good to play this tournament, cover these games, talk about the individual games themselves. But for someone that loves the Mavericks, what does it mean for some of these guys? And what does it mean for some of these players? And so I want to talk about that. Luka Doncic played seven games so far. I think they have one more on Sunday. We'll see if he plays in that one. It's like... That one, I think you, it decides whoever is the uh, the seventh or eighth in the in the tournament. It's like the winner will determine who gets seventh or eighth. Like, okay, fun, cool. Uh, yeah, Saturday, Saturday, Slovenia versus Italy. That's deciding who's the seventh or eighth spot in this FIBA tournament, which does not really make sense, I guess, to to Americans if we're looking at a tournament like that. Like, why would I care if I'm seventh or eighth? Like, it's it's one or nothing, or top four, or nothing if it's college basketball. So Luca, he plays seven games so far. It looks like he may play one more. He played five preparation games as well in these seven uh, FIBA games. Average, and these are 40-minute games. Average 28 points a game, about seven rebounds, about six assists, two and a half steals. Shot 53% from two, 29% from three on eight and a half a game. Shot 77% from the free throw line, took 12 a game from the free throw line. 
You look at Luca's body of work in this, and he just had such an offensive load on him that the one thing that I come away with watching this Slovenia team is it's good the Mavs have Kyrie <laughs> because it's hard to watch a team where the entire defense, and this happened the entire FIBA run for Slovenia, they're all centered on Luka. There are not high-level talents on the Slovenia team. You have guys that are playing in second divisions in, in some of these countries. Like They don't have a lot of EuroLeague guys. They don't have any NBA guys besides Luka. Vlako Chanchar got hurt early in the process. So they didn't have a ton of other guys to lean on or even to pick up some of the pressure. The pressure. Clemen Prepovic was the only guy, really, that stepped up and took away some of the scoring pressure from Luka. And he's, you know, a come off the bench, take a bunch of shots, like get you, get you some buckets here or there kind of guy. Not really someone that you put the ball in his hands and you let him take over for a couple quarters or a quarter even. And so Luka had to carry such an offensive load, almost nine threes a game, 12 free throw attempts a game for Luca. He was getting to the line. He was having to do everything. Like his usage must've been so high in FIBA that you watch at the end of that Canada game, when he started to feel that thigh was, was bothering him. You started to see that, man, he's, he's not playing on the ball as often. He's having other guys try to do stuff and it just wasn't getting done. <laughs> stuff just, they just weren't keeping up in the way that they needed to keep up. And so it's good that the Mavericks have this other plan. They have Kyrie that can carry an offensive load. It's necessary. You can't just have a Luka and nobody else team in basketball anymore. You can't do the LeBron and a bunch of dudes team anymore in FIBA or in the NBA. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. You can't make it, you can't make it work. There's not, there's no more one man teams. Guys are too talented. They're too smart. They have too much film. They have too much knowledge on what you can do and how to guard you. And Luca's not elite athletically, and so he can't overwhelm guys on a lower level with his athleticism. Now, strength, yes. Strength, he can overwhelm, and he did so a bunch of times. It's one of the reasons why he averaged almost 12 free throws a game. But he can't just overwhelm athletically with speed and what you know we see from team USA against some of these other teams in FIBA that are not as good you see them just get overwhelmed and, and Luka's not going to do that but a a good run from Luka i thought he needs somebody else the other thing that we saw from Luka was that his injury stuff looked like he was fine in this in this Lithuania game i'm i'm not as worried as i was coming out of the Canada game looks like he was fine he was running up and down the court i didn't see him messing with it too much and nothing else popped up to where i was i was concerned or there's a Luca boo boo or anything like that. So I think one thing that we did learn, which is probably the most important thing, honestly, like maybe the most important thing we could learn is that Luca's going to be healthy coming out of this, barring anything happening on this Saturday game that's coming up. So I'm excited about that. And I'm glad that Luca got some run, got to play with the Slovenia team, got to have some organized basketball in the middle of his summer. And he's going to have about a month before the NBA season, or at least the preseason starts and training camp and all that. So that's good. That's, that's enough time for him to get some rest, couple, couple weeks rest, come to the U S then ramp up training camp preseason and all that. He's also was off from like April, (laughs) from like April to the middle of August for this whole. So he had, he had a good off season and now he's had this little ramp up and now he's he's going into the NBA and i think that that's a really good thing for watching for doing the luka muscle watch or luka you know body fat watch for doing that i think this was a good process for him so far and so luka looks to be unscathed so that's what i think we we learned from luka i'll do Dwight Powell's real quick 
Dwight Powell's played six games so far. He played in preparation games as well. And he's probably got one or two more games coming for Team Canada. Canada will play on Friday. So by the time you listen to this, they probably have already played against Serbia. And you'll see what happens in, in that game if they move on to the finals. I hope they do. I hope it's Canada versus the U.S. That would be great. The North America matchup, I'm down for that. That would be a good game. Not that Serbia, Germany, either one of those teams couldn't be. But I think that would be a really good test for the U.S. Canada would get really up for that one. That'll be fun. Dwight Powell averaged about five points, about four rebounds, 67% from, from two. He's just, you know, dunking and doing what Dwight Powell does. He played about 22 and a half minutes a game, and he started a lot of games for Team Canada. I think what we learned about Dwight Powell, and I don't think I learned this, but I think you may have learned this. Some of you may have learned this. Other teams value what Dwight Powell does. He's not the trash worst center in the world, as he's painted too in some of the comments. And there you may be in the comments right now saying that exact thing. Can't believe he's drinking the Kool-Aid. It's maple Kool-Aid, excuse me. In Canada, it's maple flavored. Can't believe he's drinking the syrup up there. He's slipping, he's sipping the syrup up there of the Canada, the, all the Canada talk about Dwight Powell. Other teams value what he does. His ability to step out and defend was valuable for Team Canada so far. And I think we'll see it again. His ability to step out, but then also be under the rim and just be a deterrent under the rim. He's not going to be a good rim protector by any means, like or a, let's say a great rim protector by any means, but his ability to just be a deterrent, be athletic, know where to be, it's valuable to other teams. They had him starting. They could have gone with Lou Dort instead of him, gone with some wings, and then just had Kelly Olynyk you know, start with him or just had Kelly Olenek be the only center. They decided not to do that. So I think that's something that, that some of us may have learned about Dwight Powell, that he's valuable in some ways. And so coming up, let's talk about what we learned from Josh Green and Dante Exum. And then let's get into some of the other of your questions about Luca and the negative media attention he's getting now, especially after that, after that Canada game. We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about FanDuel. FanDuel has you covered with so much stuff coming up. The NFL is starting. Uh, it started last night, Thursday night, if you're listening to this. And so you've got a ton of stuff that you can do on FanDuel. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday Ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So bet that $5. It's, it's, it seems to be worth it. You can stretch that dollar pretty far. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn is the thing. You don't have to just bet on the NFL. They have some more FIBA stuff. Let's see where, where Canada is. Canada against Serbia. They're a four and a half point favorite. The U.S. is a ten and a half point favorite against Germany in this FIBA, and so uh, you can, the winner of it so far, can't, USA is minus two hundred, so they're the the overwhelming favorite. And then Canada is behind them, a good distance, plus three sixty. So you can get all that kind of stuff on FanDuel.com/slash locked on. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps, being part of the show, part of the Raccoon Squad, being an everydayer. Appreciate each and every one of you that subscribe to Subtext as well. We send text straight to your phone. So if you want to talk to us, ask us questions, get rumors and alerts to your phone, I send out a pregame thing. We'll talk about uh, all kinds of stuff as the season ramps up. I'm really excited for it. So subscribe to Subtext. Click the link in the description. All right. We're talking about FIBA, and we're talking about what we've learned from the Mavericks perspective. We talked about Luca, talked about Josh, talked about Dwight Powell. Now let's talk about Josh Green. Josh Green for Australia played five games, plus he only played two preparation games for for Australia. He had the elbow issue. He had the the weird leg issue. Every, all that stuff seems to be behind him. Looks like he's totally fine with that. And I'm glad that, that Josh Green is, is healthy and that 
nothing came out of the the you know the games that he played for Australia that didn't matter towards the end because Australia got kicked out of this tournament pretty pretty early com- you know compared to what talent they had. Josh Green, eight points a game, two rebounds, one and a half assists, one and a half steals, shot almost sixty percent from two, and only took like three a game, forty five percent from three, and shot over two a game. 77% from the free throw line, took two and a half of those as well. Played about 19 minutes, and he started over Matisse Thibault a lot. It was the coach of Australia, Brian Gorgian. It was his decision, and he went back and forth on this, but it was his decision and his intention the entire time to start Josh Green over Matisse Thibault. And that, I think, is what we can take away from it, what Mavericks fans can take away from it, just because Matisse Thibault could have been a Maverick. The Mavericks offered him an offer sheet in restricted free agency, he signed it, and then Portland matched it. So he was going to be a Maverick, and now he's not, obviously. And so you look at it and say, man, it would have been nice to have the depth with Matisse Thibel, but at least you can know that if you're the Mavericks, you have potentially the better player in Josh Green. Lockdown Blazers, Mike Richmond said that on his show, that he was watching Australia's games for Matisse Thibel, and said Josh Green's a better player than Matisse Thibel. And I agree with him. And so I think you can rest easy knowing, all right, we're doing, we're doing good with Josh Green. The draft pick the draft pick that Harrell Bob made all those years ago seems to be working out. He seems to be developing in a good way. And for Josh Green, you look at those numbers, you're like, oh, eight points a game. He took three two-point shots a game, only played 19 minutes. They didn't ask him to do a lot. This Australia team was a little weird, but they didn't ask him to do a ton offensively. He was basically in the corner a lot. They didn't have him running anything on the ball. They didn't have. They weren't running anything off ball for him either. He's not setting screens or, or running off of screens either. It was a lot of Josh Giddy, Patty Mills, trying to set things up, trying to get things going. Dante Exum off the bench, trying to set things up, trying to get things going. And then a couple guys standing in the corner on either side trying to space the floor. And Josh Green was one of those guys trying to space the floor. So we didn't learn a lot, but we learned about him versus Matisse Thibel. And then we also, man, his three-point shot. It looks good. on over two a game in just 19 minutes. Really good. He looks confident. It looks good. And that is going to be key on this Mavericks team. With Luka and Kyrie demanding as much attention attention as they have, with Grant Williams spacing the floor on the other side, Dwight Powell rolling the, the rim, they need one more shooter out there. And you know what they need more than anything? They need one more shooter that can defend. Yeah, and a lot of times on good teams, you have this problem where you have defenders who can't hit the three. You know, they're rolling out. They're like, can we even play this guy? Because he can't shoot, and they get played off the floor. Matisse Thibel is one of those. He hit five threes in one of these prep games, and then he didn't shoot well the whole rest of the tournament. But Josh Green shot 45% from three and is a good three-point shooter, has become a good three-point shooter in the NBA, which we expected him to. We expected it to take some time, and it did. But now it looks like he's a good... and. Even a positive, a plus three-point shooter, which is huge because his defense is very good. He he defended very well in this tournament. Whenever they needed a stop, they put him on the ball handler. They wanted him to be that guy defending the point of attack. And the Mavericks need that guy. I think that's what we learned from Josh Green. I loved what I saw from him in FIBA. It's exactly his role, and I know I see some comments every once in a while going, why are you hyping up Josh Green so much? He didn't do that much. The Mavericks aren't going to ask him to do that much, but he did exactly what the Mavericks are going to ask him to do. And we think, and I think he can take a step forward and do a little bit more than what we saw for Australia for the Mavericks. 
He can handle a little bit. He's a much better passer than what we saw in, in FIBA. We didn't see him pass very much at all because he didn't have the ball in his hands. Whenever he had the ball in his hands, it was an opportunity to just catch and shoot for a three. And so I hope the Mavericks take advantage of that a little bit more. Let him drive. Let him, you know, take advantage of Luka getting double teamed. Australia didn't have anybody that double teamed anybody. Nobody's double teaming Josh Giddy or Patty Mills. And so with Luka demanding all that attention, Kyrie demanding all that attention, Josh Green will get some opportunities that he didn't get with this Australia team. Dante Exum, he played five games in the actual tournament. He played four question mark prep games as well. He averaged 11 points, two and a half rebounds, three assists, only one turnover. Good assist to turnover percentage there. Only 37.5% on twos. He took about five a game. And then 47% on threes. He took three and a half a game. That's the number. That's the number if you want to look at a number for Dante Exum. What do we learn about Dante Exum? I think his shot is pretty good. He's not taking a ton off the dribble. He's not doing the Steph Curry pull-up three. He's not doing that kind of stuff. But to just hit a set shot, the defender's sagging off of me. He's not coming up to defend me. He's not coming up to close out on me. I'm going to take this three. 47%. Love it. Love it from Dante Exum. Now, his two-point percentage is because he had a lot of erratic drives in games when they needed points, they needed to, to get stuff done, and you, were, you know the pressure was put on this Australia team and on, and on him because he was their third ball handler. He was their third guy coming off the bench to create stuff. And he did well creating stuff and kicking out shooters, the three assists a game, running pick and roll with Xavier Cooks, running pick and roll with, with Nick Kay, their center. And he did well at that. But when you ask him to, all right, create off the dribble and then score off the dribble, score at the rim, that's where he struggled in this tournament. And I don't think that's something that, Mavericks are really going to ask him to do that much. But if you're think if you're sitting there thinking, can Dante Exum be our third ball handler, our third guard, our third scorer at any given moment? I don't think the answer is yes at this point. He can defend. He defended well in this in this tournament. His uh steal numbers were at zero. He had more than zero steals. So I think something was wrong with that number on the box score. It said he had zero steals for the entire tournament, which is not true. So something was wrong with that number. But he got steals in this tournament. We saw him defend pretty well in this tournament. I don't I don't know that he's an elite, elite defender. I don't know if I would say he's on the same level as a Josh Green and a Matisse Thibel. But he's a good defender. And 6'6", solid. And his ability to shoot the three now, I think is very big and positive. And so that's what we learned from these guys, from these Mavericks in FIBA. Coming up, I'm going to rapid fire through a bunch of your questions, including why is Luka getting negative media attention now? And should we care about it? We'll talk about that coming up. Next time, don't wait till it's three seconds left to talk. All right, Isaac, let's get into some more questions. I want to rapid fire through some of these. These guys sent in a bunch of good questions, and I want to get to as many as we can. All right, I'm going to try to get through all of them. Warming up, trying to get through all these questions. Cole asked the questions, what will it take for Luka to be loved by national media again? Be neutral on defense and have it have less than 10 techs as the, you know, for the Mavericks and be a top four seed and make the Western Conference Finals again? Here's the answer. Every star player has an arc. Every player has an arc that they go through in the NBA. I'll, I'll name a player at each point of the arc. Anthony Edwards is at the, well, let's go even further back. Victor Weminyama coming in. He's all potential. It's all speculation. It's all excitement around him. There's no negative attention towards Victor Weminyama. There was in the draft process because he went through a mini version of this where they're like, is he going to be too injury prone? Can he really make his own shot? Summer league came. He didn't really play that well in the first game. 
He's all potential, all excitement, all, everybody loves him. Q rating is 100. Anthony Edwards is at the next point of this star track. We've seen the talent. We're starting to see it play out. We're starting to see him play really well, played well in the playoffs. Now he's the alpha on this Team USA team. And so we're seeing that from him. That's the next step in this process. And then you get where Luca is right now. And you start to see, all right, well, you've won some stuff, but now we're starting to see your warts. We're starting to see what's wrong with your game. And we're starting to see you not come up big in every possible moment. And now there are expectations for you. And this is where Luca is in this spot right now. His complaining, his lack of defense came out big last year for the Mavericks and they didn't make the playoffs. Where their expectations are, if you're a top five player, you make the playoffs every year. It's just expected of you because it, it normally happens. It's very rare that a top five player doesn't make the playoffs. And so then all of a sudden, people start to squint a little bit and raise their eyebrow and start looking at you like, all right, what's, what's wrong with you? What, what can we talk about that everybody loved you and now all of a sudden you've got haters. There's Suns fans that just sit around on Twitter all day and just wait for something negative to happen about Luka. There are Suns fans right now that are taking that Dylan Brooks meme that was made where Dylan Brooks is doing the looking up at Luka smiling and Luka's looking at the rim. They try to take it and make it look like the Luka Devin Booker meme that will live forever. And Suns fans were just waiting around for a moment like that to just pounce on it. When you've got haters like that, all of a sudden, you see that that has some legs because you've got expectations and you didn't live up to them. And so I think that's where we are now. For him to win again, he has to do what Jokic just did. right? We started to see some hate for Jokic because everyone loved him too much. He won two MVPs, was up for this past MVP, and everyone was like, well, I don't really want to vote for him because there's too much love for him, and you haven't, you haven't won a title. You haven't performed yet at the highest level. And so then, Jok- what did Jokic just do? He just won the title, and now his Q rating is back to 100. It wasn't as low as Lucas is right now, but he, it, it's, it, you know, he brought it back from wherever it was to now 100. Everyone thinks Jokic is the best player in the NBA. I do. And then you get the next step where it's like Kevin Durant, who's past that, and he's got the love already. And so now there's not as many expectations on him, but you still get you get some hate because of the longevity, and you've been around a while, and you know you get you get that whole thing. You, you're you kind of get you get a pass because you've already won. And then LeBron, who's in a category all of his own. <laughs> so for what Luca has to do, he's got to win a title. That's it. And that's one of the reasons why it's hard to take what the national media says and take it seriously. Because national media would, Richard Sherman would count as national media. And he just said that the Lakers getting Richard or the Lakers getting Christian Wood is the same thing as Lakers getting Pau Gasol. And so I'm not going to take his opinion seriously on anything basketball. If that's what, if that's the the comparison he's making. Right. And so I wouldn't take, I, I say all that with the, the arc of a star and what the national media says about him. And I wouldn't take anything of that seriously. You feel how you feel about Luka Doncic and not everybody has to love your star player. It's fine. They didn't all love Kobe. They didn't all love... Actually, I think they all love Jordan and Magic. But Okay, more questions. I did not rapid fire that one in any way at all because I loved that question from Cole. I thought it was a good one. Um, Bates wants to know, do you think Kyrie can set an example and provide advice for Luka this year when it comes to dealing with refs? I think Kyrie can do some of that lead by example stuff. And I think eventually I talked about this a lot at the end of last year. I think eventually Kyrie needs to step up as a vocal leader to Luca, a confidant and say, Hey man, if you want to take a step forward, this is what LeBron did. You love, you love LeBron, right? 
You love LeBron, right? I'm going to go with Huka, Luka Doncic. I know you love LeBron. You talk about him all the time. You ask me questions about him. This is what he did. This is how he won. And so I think Kyrie can be that. I think he has to be that to take a step forward because who else is going to do it? It's not going to be Mark Keith Morris. It's not going to be one of the rookies. It's not going to be Tim Hardaway who's played with him forever. Like, it's not going to be those guys. Jace wants to know, what's, what does Slovenia have to do to qualify for the Olympics? Is a great question because they did not qualify for the Olympics in this FIBA tournament. They could have. Canada did. Slovenia did not. They have to play a qualifying tur- tournament next July. So if you're one of those that hates that Luca plays extra basketball and international basketball, sorry about it. They're going to play that qualifying tournament. Lucas is going to do everything in his power to get Slovenia to qualify. They'll play in the Paris Games and the Olympics next summer, July 26th to August 11th. So he'll play an extended period of time if they qualify for the Olympics. So there's that. I just heard, I can, I can hear you. I can hear you groaning. I can hear you groaning that Luca has to play more international basketball. Who will make a bigger impact this season? Seth Curry or Dante Exum? Great question. To me, Seth Curry's three-point shooting is going to be a big deal for them too. Even though you've got this weird trio of Tim Hardaway, Seth Curry, Jaden Hardy, I think that having just a reliable guy that can hit some threes when the Mavericks offense goes stale to just throw out there and all of a sudden you've got an automatic bucket getter that Luka can get a bucket whenever they need him to. A guarantee like that is a big deal. I don't know that Dante Exum is a, is a guarantee as much as Seth Curry hitting a three is a guarantee. That's a guarantee. He's third on the Mavericks in all-time you know, three-point percentage, and he wanted to know who was, who was one and two. All Things Mavs tweeted out that, that Seth Curry was third, and Seth Curry responded to it on Twitter saying, all right, who's one and two? <laughs> I love that. Hunter wants to know which teams in the West will take a step back this season. To me, the Grizzlies were second last year. I think they'll take a step back. John Morant missing 25 games. They lose Tyus Jones. Uh, Brandon Clark is not 100% and going to be back. They've got some answers to try and figure out, and they're losing talent, and they're not replacing it with any of their young guys yet. The David Roddies, the Zaire Williams, the Jake LaRavias. One or two of those guys have to take a step forward, and if they don't, that to me, they're not going to be second in the West next year. I just think they'll take a, could be third, fourth, fifth. Like doesn't have to be a huge step back, but I think it will be a little Kings third. I think if you listen to this show, you've listened to lockdown NBA, you know that I think the Kings will take a step back just by sheer numbers. The amount of clutch games that they won the, you know, the numbers say they should have won four less games last year. According to cleaning the glass, the Mavericks should have won four more games according to cleaning the glass, by the way, but the Kings being third, they were also super healthy. This is probably the number one reason they're super healthy last year. All their top eight guys played 73 to 82 games. Whew. Imagine that. Imagine Mavericks, all the Mavericks players playing 73 to 82 games. That's a big deal. Just having your rotation like that for that much. How many players on the Mavericks actually did that last year? Luca, 66, doesn't count. Reggie Bullock played 78. Tim Hardaway played 71. Even Christian Wood played 67. Josh Green played 60. Maxi Kleber played 37. Dwight Powell played 76. And that's it. The only three players the Mavericks had play as many games as the entire Kings rotation, Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway, and Dwight Powell. <laughs> think, about, think about that. Couple others. Where do you guys sit during home games so I can come say hi? I sit in section 123. You can come say hi to me. I should be there this year. We'll see what happens. Things change. Why does Isaac still think that the... A trade is coming before the season starts. It's obviously not. <laughs> that's the whole question. That's not my opinion. 
a, a trade seems to be coming because the roster doesn't 100% make sense. It seems like there's one more move coming because of that trio of Tim Hardaway, Jaden Hardy, and Seth Curry. There's, there just doesn't seem like it works 100%. And we know that Nico Harrison's mandate was to get another a starting center. And I don't know that we're, we feel good that we've got that yet. If the NBA played under feeble rules, who would be the best team in the league? Oh, man. It's probably still the Bucks or, or Nuggets or, or Celtics. Like The M- NBA players figure it out. Look, look what the Team USA is doing. You don't get too many advantages. The game's shorter. But the game being shorter helps your athletes because then all of a sudden they have to play less minutes. You can play, you know, you can play Luca 40 minutes in a game and then all of a sudden, you know, you can play Jason Tatum 35 minutes in a game and that's most of the game. There you go. That's your questions answered. Let's, uh, we'll be back on Monday talking more Dallas Mavericks. We're here five days a week all throughout the offseason. We're back on Sunday night talking more Dallas Mavericks. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom.